want to share with you the four pillars of the church. And before I do that, I want to ask you, has anyone got a clue what the four pillars of the church is or are? What are the four pillars of the church? Just have a guess. Anyone? Just whatever you think the four pillars of the church or whoever you think the four pillars of the church are. I'm just, it's a question. What are the four pillars of the church? Anyone? You can say one or two or three or all four. Faith, okay. Anyone else? Love, anyone else? Huh? You're just Googling. <laughs> Honest. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, good, good way. Go ahead. <laughs> Googling. All right. Well, I tell you what, just to save us time, the four pillars of the church. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Pillars are something that are put in place after a foundation has been laid in the church. Or in a building, sorry. So once you put the foundation there, then you have pillars. The pillars are what holds the walls together, the roof together, supported by the foundation, and the building is held together by the pillars. So we're talking about the four pillars of the church. It says in verse 42, and they actually, tell you what, why don't we look at this from verse verse 37 Acts chapter 2 from verse 37 to give us some kind of context now if you remember this was the day of Pentecost Um, Peter had just preached to the um, those that had come there after they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit they just preached to a whole group of Jewish people about Jesus and about what had happened and why they were speaking in tongues and all of that stuff. And um, when he had done this from verse 37, after he had preached to them a very powerful message, verse 37, they said, to, they said, he said, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you, to your children, to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be safe from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Verse 42. And they, this is these new believers, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. These are the four pillars of the church. Verse 43, then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor of all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. All right, so what these verses teach us or show us is how the church, the body of Christ, was formed, how it began. And... When you see anything for the first time in the Bible, it is a lesson for us about how God wants to instruct us concerning that issue. So when you see, for instance, it's called the law of first mention. In the Bible, if you're studying the Bible and you see anything that's mentioned for the first time, you must make a note of it because from that place, God will speak to his church about many things in reference to that. So that's why Genesis is so important in the Bible because it's it's the beginnings of many things. Not all things, but many things is in Genesis. All right, so here, verse 42, they continue steadfast in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and in prayers. These are four pillars that hold a church together, but also that holds a believer. Anyone who's a true believer of Jesus 
who's serious about walking with the Lord, these four dynamics must be in your life if you are going to be a healthy believer, if you're not going to stray. I remember just the other day, I, I heard about a very prominent young Christian rapper, as far as I was concerned, a very good guy, who is no longer holding to the orthodox way of our faith, as far as I've been told. I don't know how true it is. I've seen some stuff on Twitter that he's been feeding out, and it doesn't seem consistent with the guy that I knew. And one of the things that you realize is that how you begin in your faith is so important. Because if your faith is simply based on what your parents do or what your church says or what your pastor teaches, then over time, something's going to happen to you because your foundation is wrong. Everyone, their foundation must be in Jesus Christ. The foundation of every believer must be Jesus Christ and him crucified. But then there are certain pillars that must be in your life that holds your life together or helps you to remain constant and focused in the Lord. When these four dynamics are in place in the church, the church will grow healthily. When these four dynamics are in the place of an individual, that individual will grow healthily. These four dynamics. So, I want to ask you a question. On a scale of 1 to 10, and I, and I want you to take your iPads and I, iPhones and Samsung imitations and whatever else you've got. I want you to take them out and um, uh, write, this, write this down. Write this question down, right? On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the highest and the best, how would you rate your life? as an individual, on each of these. So the Apostles' Doctrine talks about feeding on the Word of God. Fellowship talks about being part of a local church. Breaking Bread talks about devoting yourself to a holy life. And Prayers talks about having a vibrant, healthy prayer culture and a prayer life. So these four areas, feeding on the Word, fellowshipping, living a holy life, and prayer, how would you rate yourself? Come on, I want you to so put apostles' teaching or the word of God and give yourself a mark out of 10. One, like, or zero is like non-existent. One, ah, two, uh, three, uh, four, uh, five, mm, six, uh, seven, <laughs> eight, 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 nine, eight, ten, yeah. So, okay, so that's my rubbish way of monitoring. Or whatever, whatever you would like to say um, to rate yourself. Rate yourself, one to ten. So quickly, I want you to do it. So, so it's out of forty, isn't it? So, so ten. So apostles teaching rate yourself. I rated myself, and I was very. In, it was very interesting the marks I was giving myself. I won't tell you mine yet. All right. So, have you done it? Who's still meditating? <laughs> Thank you. Can you imagine? I don't take sugar in tea. This is, let's see if I can drink it. That's fine. So, miracles never cease to happen in the kingdom of God. Joseph doesn't take sugar in tea. Mm. Incredible. This is on the podcast as well. All right. <laughs> My, five years from now, somebody asked me, do you still not take sugar? <laughs> and I'll say yes in Jesus' name. <laughs> All right. So, have you marked yourself? Now I want you to mark your church, this church, on each one. From your perspective, mark your church. So, on the... Apostles teaching the feeding of the word on fellowship, being part of the church. I say how the church deals with fellowship, um, incorporates the members within the church um, to be part. Breaking of bread, how the church lives the holy life and, and partakes of communion. How often do you take communion? And then prayers, the prayer life of the church. I want you to mark yourself. We are all supposed to be doing an exercise here. 
Yeah, you can't use children as an excuse. <laughs> this is really good. Excellent. All right. Now, again, I want to say something about these four dynamics. When they are in place in a church, certain things happen. He says, verse 43, Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. One of the things that will happen in the life of a church and also in the life of an individual is that there will be a holy reverence for God and the things of God. There will be a holy reverence of God and the things of God when these four dynamics are in the place of an individual's life. Another thing you will see is a evidence of the power of God, the supernatural power of God in the life of that church and also in the life of that believer. So if, let's say, I was to score myself 40 out of 40, for instance, then one of the signs will be that I'll have a real genuine fear of God. I will fear God properly. God will have the preeminence in my life. But another thing that will be evident is the power of God will be evident in my life. It's not, you know, you, you, know, you, you can't, you can't, it's, it's like, you know, these things, when they're in your life, they feed you in such a way that the fruit will become evident. You can't manufacture. It will be evident. You see, you know, children, when they're growing up, they'll, they'll say, you know, I really want to grow taller. I really want to grow taller. But a child only grows over time as they are fed certain things. It, it, you know, what the child is fed determines how healthily the child grows. And this is how it is spiritually. So if I look at your life, for instance, or I look at my life, and I don't see the reality of the fear of God or the reality of the power of God, it's not because there is no God. It's because something is wrong with what you're being fed or what are the foundations that have been established in your life. That's all, that's all it is, you see. Another thing, it says this, now, all who believed were together and had all things in common. In other words, when these things are evident in a church, there is a unity amongst the church. And a spirit of generosity is evident in the church. And also, when they are in my life as an individual, I am united with the church I'm a part of. And I am willing to contribute towards the healthy development of my church. He says, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Which means that when these four pillars are in the church, there is a dynamic of fellowship amongst the members that is evident. We, 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 it's not like we go to church on Sunday and then we're removed from the life of the church the rest of the week. There is a genuine family, camaraderie, amongst the brothers and the sisters of that church. There is also a sense of belonging. There is also a willingness to be together. You know, you, you can tell when we are in trouble, when we say, okay, let's, let's have a time of fellowship together. Oh, no, it's like, what? My head hurts, huh? When, when is it going to happen? Friday, oh, I'm traveling. Look for a reason why we can't be there. You know that there is something wrong with our, our church. Are you, are you listening to me? Mm. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and then verse 47, praising God and having favor of all the people. Praising God. Another thing is you'll find that amongst that church, the spirit of worship, is, is automatic. It's not manufactured. People are at liberty to worship God because it's coming from a, a place of gladness. But another thing you'll find is irrelevance in their community. They had favor with all the people. They, they're not just plugged in. They're not a holy huddle. They also have relevance where God has placed them. It says... And the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. I am convinced that when these dynamics are in place properly, 
we will see people being added to our church. When these dynamics are in our place, in our lives as individuals, we will be a tool to bring people to the house of God, to the body of Christ. Through us, people will be getting saved because we are growing healthily. So let's explore a little bit more. I want to dwell on one or two because we don't have time of these key pillars. The first thing is the apostles' teaching, which is the word of God, feeding on the word of God. The word life of a church determines the character of that church. The word that you are feeding your spirit with as an individual will determine the kind of believer you are. You know, my generation growing up in the 80s, in the faith, when we were growing up in the 80s, we were fed a diet of holiness, of consecration, of sacrifice, of zeal. You know, we were fed that kind of diet. But it amazes me that when we grew up, many of us rejected that diet and started to feed the church prosperity and how to get wealth and how to get money and how to become this. So we, left, we stopped being a discipleship text or group to being a, 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 like a bank or like, a, like a, a, a financial seminar or a management course. It's no wonder we have the kind of believers we have today. My generation, my generation of, of, of believers. This is the rubbish we have, we have created in the church today. I, I am a, I'm, a, I'm a part of it. So you have our young believers who know nothing about serious fasting and prayer. How old are you? 16. When I was 16, God spoke to me for the first time. Spoke to me. And my parents did not want me to live for Jesus when I started living for him. I wonder if your parents didn't want you to live for Jesus, whether you, you'd be happy about it. Well, fair enough. Mom, if you say so, then I'm not going anymore. <laughs> when, when, when we were 16 and 17 and 18 and 19, we, we had to go to church by ourselves. Nobody ever followed us up. Who was following me up? Are you joking? There was no such thing, as far as I can remember, of follow-up, having a text message or an email or, you know, are you coming to church today? No, who cares about such things? Nobody was caring. But we're still here in Jesus' name. But there was a certain diet. We'll come to church, and by the time service is done, we're at the altar, crying and consecrating ourselves to the Lord and wanting to live for Jesus we were challenged to fast. We were challenged to pray. We were challenged to see God. We were challenged to evangelize. We were challenged. We were challenged today. Too much challenge is called legalism. It's very heavy. So no wonder we have the rubbish we have today. We have, we have Christians who know nothing about the move of the Spirit, about casting out demons. I mean, we used to be, we would go to youth service, and at the end of the youth service, we have to cast out demons out of people. <laughs> yeah. As they manifested. Arr, like you were watching The Exorcist or something. Yeah. Don't know if you, if you know what that is. Some of you is too old. Nowadays, it was a very scary film. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is, the word that you are exposed to will determine the kind of Christian. And as a pastor... If you want your church to be a certain way, you have to feed them over time a certain diet. Like if you start, if let's say you want to see the power of God in your church, just doing a month series is not going to do it. You have to, over three, four years, you teach the church. Over three, four years. And then you begin to see it bearing fruit. A few, a week or two of, they're not going to do spiritual gifts. Ain't going to do it. In the same way, if you want to see your church become a soul-winning machine, you can't just do six weeks of evangelism. They can't wait till it's over. After it's over, say, shoot, thank goodness, that thing is done. Another year, before. you have to, like, you see, like, with this whole thing about discipleship, most of you don't know it, but I've been teaching CLFA for the last five years. Since Ghana, I came back from Ghana. You go and check the notes. A year of discipleship, a year of pursuing discipleship. Discipleship and evangelism. 
discipling the world, discipling for Christ, pursuing discipleship. This is the year of discipleship. Or just discipleship, discipleship. Because I knew if I'm going to get us to become discipleship oriented, I've got to give it a minimum of three years. But we've been going eight years. Eight years hard on discipleship. And it's only now that the pastors are saying, yeah, we, we, discipleship. Yeah, we, we, we're Christ centered with discipleship. Discipleship. <laughs> Yeah. So in Greenwich, like for instance, for in Greenwich, the last three years, I just kept on discipleship. Afterwards, some of them said it's a bit repetitive. I said, Yeah, I know. So tell me what the Great Commission is. If I was to ask you here, what is the Great Commission? You will fumble. But if you ask people in Greenwich, generally they better not fumble. They'll tell you. Jesus came and said, Go into all the world. They'll start telling you, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Who does not believe will be condemned. And de- you know, that's Mark. You know, and then you've got um, uh, Matthew. Um, you know, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. And they'll tell you. Because over time, it will change you. That is why you find that in the Greenwich Church, a lot of the young guys are going on missions. The men and the women, they're going on missions. They're paying. We're not paying for them. We're not, the church is not sponsoring their missions. They're sponsoring themselves. They're going on missions. And quite a lot of them have enrolled in the Bible school because they're planning to pastor their own churches. Yeah, next three to five years, a lot of them have this thing. They want to pastor their own churches. Yeah. Because there's a diet. And they, ask, they know, ask for Pastor Joyce about church planting. So if you're thinking of moving to Australia, you know you're going to have an assignment. So yes, because that's the truth. You're going to have an assignment. So we'll program you. So that when you go, you don't become funny. You continue with the fire that you have received. Otherwise, what's the point? Why, you know, die and go to heaven? If it's just about being like the world, what's the point? It's not. We are here for a reason. Amen. So, I'm I'm just trying to show you. So, the word life of a church determines the character of the church. And we grow... By feeding on the basics of the word or the milk of the word. First Peter 2 verse 2. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word of God or of the word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. If you know that God is really gracious and true, then feed on the word. The reason why a lot of Christians don't feed on the word is because they don't really know the Lord. I'm serious. They, they are churchgoers, churchgoers, but they don't know Jesus. You cannot connect with the Lord Jesus proper and not feed from him. Like, I mean, people don't, I tell, I tell a lot of the leaders this, that the way I write my books and the way I prepare my notes is primarily with conversations with the Lord. So I talk to him, I say, like for instance, come in here, this morning, when I woke up, because I thought I was going to teach on something else. But when I woke up, I said, I said, Lord, I don't feel that I should talk to them about this subject. So I don't know what you want me to talk to them about. So talk to me. So I went for my usual prayer time with the Lord. Spent about a few hours talking to him. So as I was talking to him, you know, just talking, I like to go for my walks. I said, you know, Father, I, I really don't know what you want me to talk to these guys about. But I think it's along these lines. So I mentioned a few. As I mentioned it, I felt the spirit highlight one or two. I said, I think it's this. So I left it and spoke to him about other things for about one hour. And then, one, you know, time is now going. So I said, now, what do you want me to talk to these guys about? And then the spirit began to download. And loads of notes. You see, so about, about 20 minutes, download. So I said, great, thank you as I put it on my iPhone. Then I carried on talking to him about many other issues. Finished, came home, tidied up about 10 minutes, tidied up the notes. Now I've got loads of notes, a new teaching series on the four pillars of the church. But if I had studied proper, it would have taken me about six hours to get this. Seriously, no lie, about six, seven hours. But because by the grace of God, we were talking to the source. Yeah, talking to him. 
And this is how we write as well. We talk to him. Now, I study, don't get me wrong, but we talk to him. And then when we have writer's block, I say, okay, you know what? There's writer's block now. There's nothing coming. I don't even want to see this book anymore. So can you just talk to me about it? Then he will talk to me, and then boom, it opens. So my latest book coming, you see it. It's coming at this refresh 2015. Supernatural anointing. It will be powerful. Amen. All right, so I want you to see this. We grow by feeding on the basics of the word, the milk of the word. The milk of the word is very important because that's how your bones grow. It's the same with any church, the milk of the word. And the milk of the word is Jesus, is faith towards God, is judgments to come, is repentance from dead works. These are the milk of the word. Now, in many churches, when you teach this, they think like you've given them meat to swallow. We tell them about judgments to come. Hey, this is heavy. Like people are going to burn in hell. Like, wow, this is crazy. People are going to, uh, uh, if they don't repent, they'll die forever. They'll, 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 their soul will be rotting forever, according to the Bible. It's like, whoa, that's too heavy. But that's actually milk. It's not meat, it's milk. And because people don't know these basic things, they have a wrong perspective about their faith. Trust you. And trust me, when the Lord first spoke to me as a 16-year-old, it was not Joseph, I really love you. It was Joseph, if you die today, you're going to hell. That was the first time I ever heard God. And you see, People don't understand. It is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. When your child is stubborn and rebellious, you need to pray that God will have mercy on your soul and that they'll come to a place of repentance because until then, they are doomed. Yeah. So, the milk of the word is very important. But I want you to notice something. The milk of the word is not enough. We might grow by feeding on the milk of God's word, but we mature through feeding on the meat of his word or on solid food. So in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 to 14, he says this to the Hebrew believers. He says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, listen, as a child of God over a period of time, after being in the faith for the last 14 years of your life, at the age of 16, you should be a teacher of the word. You, all your life, you've been exposed to my ministry. So you have no excuse. Yeah. What do you think? You should be a teacher of the word. You should be a university teacher of the word. Yeah. Because, you know, you've been, all your life, all you've known is my ministry. And you've now gone to, you go to university, you probably finish or come in to finish or whatever. I don't even know. Have you finished or you come in to finish or, okay, you're in the second year. So you should be in the second year of university in the ministry. But a lot of times we still treat people like you as, as if you're new converts. You're not. I'm not even talking about the adults. I'm talking about you. In the faith, you should be doing GCSEs. In the faith. Uh, uh, let me tell you something. A lot of the adults are not even doing uh, uh, year five. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm showing you a secret. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm telling you something. <laughs> Look, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone Pastor Joe, can you come and teach us again? You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. First principles. You want to see what those are? Look at chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. You see the first principles. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. You need milk and not solid food. Or not meat. For everyone who partakes only of milk. It's just that we get rid of milk. We need the milk, but we need more than milk. It says, Any, everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he's a babe. 
It is babies who primarily depend on milk. And unfortunately, in our churches today, even the milk is not milk. It's, it's full of sugar. <laughs> it's full of sugar and things that are bad for the health of the baby. The other day, a, a lady came to me. I went to preach in a certain church, and a lady came to me and said to me, they've had a, a dream. They keep having this dream. They can't understand it. And they said to me, in their dream, they see themselves going to, the, like, they, they need to go to the loo, to the, to the toilet. I'm sorry. And it seems to be like a McDonald's. They'll go to, like, like a McDonald's loo. And whilst they're in McDonald's, this demonic thing would come and destroy the whole place, and then, but somehow the Lord rescued them. So what does that mean? So I said to them, that's a very good dream. That's a, <laughs> I said, that's a very good dream. So let me, let me ask you another question before I tell you what your dream means. I said, do you tend to listen to some of these, and I mentioned some high-profile preachers. Do you tend to listen to them whenever you're feeling down and you feel like you need to be rejuvenated? They said, yes, I do. So that's correct. That's the junk food you've been eating. That's the McDonald's that you go to. The going to the toilet is when you need consecration, when you need to cleanse yourself. So whenever you need to cleanse yourself, you go and feed on junk food. And what the Lord is showing is that that junk food cannot handle the demonic that comes against you. So you need to change your diet. Whoa. Hey. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, of course. <laughs> because <laughs> what you don't understand is that the milk has to be milk, not laced with sugar so that you can drink it. Because it's bad for you. You're poisoning the child. And that's what we do. We, 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 we pollute the word of God with things that it doesn't need. How to become rich. How to, uh, how to be the best human being. How to uh, enjoy life forever. Uh, how to, well, well, the other how-tos we like to, to, to say. You know, have a good marriage. Now, these things are okay. But trust me, most of the marriage issues are discipleship issues. When you come, those of you who have ever come for counseling, you know. I was pointing to the scripture. But the word of God says, yeah, I know, Pastor John, but you have to understand, as a woman, I don't care. The word of God says, yeah, but Pastor John, but as a man, I, should go. I don't care what, as a man, the word of God says. And so, when the word of God cannot arrest your conscience, why are you wasting my time? You're wasting my time, and you're wasting your own time, because I can't help you. The word. So, a lot of times, people are fed not milk, but bad milk. Milk with sugar. Milk with flavor. Milk with what are things, other things. Milkshake. They're fed milkshake. It's not even milk. It's milkshake. <laughs> what baby will not drink milkshake? What child? If you put milkshake in front of a child, <laughs> yeah. And that's what we do. When you give them proper milk and proper water, but you have to make sure they drink that. Get used to it. Yeah. It's the same spiritually. So, when you feed your spirit with the word of God, over time, you begin to change. Now, let me give you a few guidelines to help you when feeding on the word. First of all, I want to give you two portions of scripture. Psalm 119. Verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You must make the decision that God's word is the final authority in your life. And that anything you see in the scriptures that challenges where you currently are, you will bend to the scripture. The amount of times I find, sometimes when I'm speaking to God's people, especially leaders, and I point to them, but the word says this. And they'll say, yes, but I realize your foundation, there's something wrong with your foundation. There is something wrong with your foundation. If you can put a but when it comes to the word of God, there's something wrong with you. You are sick. Yeah, you are 
you are sick spiritually. You are actually sick. When we are showing you the word of God and you say, yeah, but you are sick. Say to your neighbor, I hope you're healthy. Yeah. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You see, Moses could move the hand of God because he knew the ways of God. He knew the ways of God. In Psalm 103, verse 7, he says this. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. Moses knew the ways of God. He knew how God thought, how God thinks. He knew what God did and what God would not do. And so he could move the hand of God. The children of Israel, they only saw what God did. Oh, praise the Lord. I want to testify. You know, the Lord gave me a breakthrough. The Lord gave me a new job. But when we investigate this new job, we find in your CV you've been lying. God never gave it to you. The devil did. God ain't going to give you something based on a lie. You lied. How many GCSEs do you have? Ten. You know you had three. Uh, how, many, how many A levels? Five A levels. You have none. And uh, do you have a degree? Of course, I have. In fact, I have two, two degrees. <laughs> two degrees, you know. But you, you didn't even go to university. You have no degree. And you have a good job. The Lord gave me the job. He did not. The devil did. <laughs> hey. You know, a, a lot of times Christians are, are doing things that they think God is blessing. It. And it's not God. If you know the ways of God, you know God will never bless that. i never forget this. Many years ago, a few years ago, there was an election in Ghana. I think I've shared this with you before. And a so-called apostle wrote an article about who was going to win. He wrote this article that God had showed him who was going to win. As I read the article, my dad said, Joe, look. God has said this party is going to win. I looked at the article. I said, Dad, God never said it. He said, ah, how can you say that? That's an apostle. He's a great man of God. When he prophesies, he comes true. I said, I don't care even if that party wins. God never told him anything. He's lying. He ain't God. It's his own mind. My dad was angry. He said, Joe, you can't say that. I said, yes, I can. I know God. God doesn't speak like that. My dad said, no, 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 no. Ask for this one, Joe. No, no, you've gone too far. I said, I haven't. He's gone too far. God never told him anything. It's not not the truth. He said, how can you say that? I said, God is not partial. And what this man is writing is full of partiality. That's not God. That's not God. Anyway, the election came and went, and the party did not win. So, obviously, God never said it. I just said, I said to, I remember saying to my dad, it wouldn't even surprise me just because of this man. And all the other Christians praying for this party to come in, they don't win. Just for them. It's like Barack Obama. It's the worst news ever for, uh, for black people as far as politics is concerned. It's the biggest failure as far as I'm concerned. But I said, I remember saying to Pastor John, just because of the racism in the white church, I bet you God will let that man win again. Because the white church and the, is just totally partial because of the color of their skin. They're not thinking right. There's no difference between him and Bush or him and whoever. They're all in the same thing. God is, so, so, yeah, I'm just telling you. So I just said, because, even because of the way the Christians are with him, I bet you he'll win again. Because God will never sanction partiality. And he won again. So you see? And even then we knew he was bad news. Now, why I'm saying this is this. When that party lost, my dad now comes and says, Hey, Joe, you were right. I said, I know I was right. You need to be listening to me more. <laughs> but I die in there. He said, but Joe, how did you know? I said, Dad, God is not partial. You have to know how God thinks and what, how, what God says. And his word is full of what, what God thinks and what God says. God is not partial. And what this man wrote is partial. Now he writes another article, the guy. He says, the reason why they lost, three days before God told me, I said, you see now, he's now making up another story. Rather than just saying, I'm sorry, I got it wrong, he's now making up another story that three days before, God told him that they weren't going to win anymore. Oh, right. What a load of rubbish. But the thing is, people will believe that rubbish because they don't know the ways of God. So, 
In conclusion, key components on feeding on the word. You feed on the word, first of all, through reading the word. Just reading. This is the way in which I began my journey. I used to just read the Bible, and I didn't understand most of what I read. It just was like Hebrew in English to me. And Jacob begot this, and this begot that. And I remember I read through Genesis. It was quite interesting. The first few chapters of Exodus were interesting. Then it was God to the boring stuff. Then the brown slave. Then we came to Leviticus. Oh, my goodness. Then you see a little bit of interest in numbers. Then it becomes boring again. Then Deuteronomy. Oh, another boring. Couldn't wait to finish them. But I'll read it. I'll just read it. See, how many of you, when you're studying, everything you read, you enjoy? Nobody. So what makes you think it's going to be like that with the Bible? I mean, seriously. Oh, the Bible is boring. And so what? So we read. So we would read the Bible. That's why at times somebody say, the Bible says, I said, no, 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 the Bible doesn't say that. No, there's nowhere in the Bible. It's how do you know? I said, I've read the thing. There's nowhere that the Bible says that. No, the Bible doesn't say that. You know, sometimes I'm even listening to uh, the Bible on tape. And I remember I was listening to, like, the New King James on tape. And that's what I was listening to. Hang on. They've, met, they've missed a few things. Let me just, so I paused. I thought, let me just check. I, so I played what the, the thing said, the tape said, and then I read it. I said, you see, they've missed out this bit. They've missed out that bit. They've missed out that bit. Because it was the illustrated version. So certain things like, then Jesus said, they'll miss it out. So, ah, uh-huh, you see? You see now? So if I was just relying on the audio, you have to know the Bible. You have to say to your neighbor, you must know the Bible. Yeah. I remember once I was talking to someone and they said to me, ah, but you know, the Bible is full of contradictions. So I said, okay, fine. I hear you. When you say Bible is full of contradictions, what exactly do you mean? So the whole of it. I said, okay, so are you talking about the 66? Do you, so I said, do you even know what the word Bible means? You tell me. I said, no, no, that's not my question. Do you know what the word Bible means? I said, okay, no. I said, this is a man who said he's read the whole Bible. I said, well, the first of all, the word Bible is a library of books. So when you say the Bible is full of contradictions, are you, do you mean all the 66 books? Which one are you talking about? He said, uh, will you tell me? I said, no, no, no. I don't believe the Bible is full of, you're the one. So then I said, are you, when you say the Bible is full of contradictions, are you talking about the Pentateuch, the Septuagint? Are you talking about the Greek version or the Hebrew version? What are you actually talking about? Uh, I know. And when you say the Bible, are you referring to uh, the apocryphus in the Catholic Church? Is that what you're referring to? The Catholic Bible, the apocryphus, when you say things have been removed. Are you talking about the apocryphus being removed? Huh? See, you must know your Bible. You must know your Bible. So then we start to talk about actually what has been taken out of the Bible. I said, first of all, you need to understand Bible interpretation and translation. There are two types of translations. There's dynamic interpretation and there is literal translation. Which one are you referring to? And the good thing about today is you can check the original. You can check the original text in the Hebrew and the Greek with the Aramaic as well. You can check it all. You can check even the Chaldean words within the Hebrew. You can check them all. It's called Google. So what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And because people don't know this amazing book, believers I'm talking about, they let the devil hoodwink them with any old foolishness. You must know the word. So reading the word. Also studying the word. Not only reading, studying the word. Where you sit down to break it down. What is this saying? You study the word with commentaries. You study the word with the the original um, um, text. You study different versions, compare versions. That's how we study. You study characters. You study themes. Also, you feed on the word through memorizing scriptures. How many of you, when you did exams, you had to memorize things? Yeah? 
Oh, you didn't have to memorize. Did you even pass? Yeah. You had to memorize, isn't it? So you were doing an exam and you memorized stuff. Do you even remember what you memorized? Now, most of it you forget. But when it comes to memorizing the word, that will save your life. Oh, this is so hard. What's that? John 3, 1, 16. Oh, okay. And for, for God so enjoyed the world. Oh. For God so declared. For God so loved the Oh, this is too hard. I'm, I'm free. I'm under grace. I don't have to remember all this. I'm under grace. That's why the devil can slap so many Christians. Because they don't understand what that word grace even means. Memorizing scriptures. And then, another way of studying the word, feeding on the word, is meditating on scriptures. What is that? It is deliberately contemplating the scripture. Where, like for instance, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. When you meditate on it, you say, hmm, what is that? For God so loved the world. Why did he say that? Why did he say that? When then you go back and you say, I, you see that he talks about how Moses lifted up the serpent. And when they looked to that serpent, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so shall the Son of Man be lifted up, that, if, that, that, that whoever believes in him should not perish. For God so loved the world. He said, oh! He's talking about the cross. He's talking about... Oh, so it's linked to something. Then you, you read the next one. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might believe. He that believes has everlasting life. He that does not believe is condemned already. Because he did not believe the only begotten son of the Father, only begotten son of God. Blah, 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 blah. If you, oh, you, when you meditate, you think about it, you contemplate it, you regurgitate it, you say it, you talk to yourself. Why did he say that? Meditation. Another one is, Listening to the word and listening to sound teaching. I, I do this a lot, especially when I'm bored. So I like to listen to preaching and teaching when I'm doing dishes, when I have to clean the house, when I can't seem to pray. Then I just listen to some preaching and teaching, which will inspire me. In Ezekiel 2 verse 2, the scripture says, Then the Spirit entered me when he spoke to me and set me on my feet and I heard him who spoke to me. I discovered the secret many years ago about listening to the word. That as you keep listening to the word, the spirit that is in that word can enter you. So I find that when I need to pray and I can't pray, my prayer life is dry, I will listen to people who, pr about, who pray about prayer for a while. And as I listen, sometimes, even before the message is finished, ah, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. Same with evangelism, same with the power of God. I'll never forget this experiment I did many years ago. I decided to deliberately test this thing out. I said, I wanted to see a certain manifestation of God's power. So I didn't tell anyone. I did a 21-day fast, and then I would watch a certain minister as a minister. And as I watch it, I'll say, enter me. i say to the TV screen, enter me. Let that spirit enter me. Because we were getting ready for a certain camp. So I did it for a while. Didn't tell anyone because I didn't want the power of suggestion to influence. Then we had our conference. Many years ago, remember that conference when we, I did that and then someone fell and that, the, that, the laughing thing was released? It was that. Now nobody knew I did it. I was the only one who knew. Even Aisha didn't know. Nobody knew. But the power broke out as I had been seeing it, because the spirit of it entered me. Now, I did it to just test something out. I like to test this, this word to, to make sure it works. But you see, here's the thing. You can do that for any other area of your life. Any other area you can do that for. Any area of the word of God, over time. You want to see souls come into your church? Watch preachers and church grow things. Watch churches. Go to places where their church is growing, and tell that spirit to enter into you, that spirit of the anointing of the Holy Ghost, to enter into you. You want to see souls being healed? Watch healing evangelists and tell that anointing to enter you. Tell the Holy Spirit, I, that, I want that to enter. You want the prophetic? Tell that to enter. That's how I entered into deliverance. That's how I was able to do deliverance. I went to places that had that anointing. I listened to them, and I came back with the anointing. 
and it stayed till today. That's how I did it. In the church I was in, they didn't have that anointing, so we went somewhere else and got it. A few courses here and there and just got it. That was it. So whenever I need to spruce up, I just expose my spirit to that kind of anointing. It enters, it rekindles what's already there, and then come out, you devil, ah! and then come out. That's all. Are you listening to me? See, my time is up now. I told you we couldn't go far. And so, he says, the spirit entered me when he spoke to me. The spirit entered me. So the word of God, our Lord said, the words that I speak to, they are spirit and they are life. And they will enter you. Amen. I'm going to pray for you. That's okay. Come on, we can go over time. You have food and all of that anyway. You know, and you all came late, apart from the convenience, and I'm only here for a short time. So I want to pray for you. So we've talked about a lot of things, and, um, you know, you need to know, Medway, that you have a great future. Did, did you even hear what I just said? Well, you don't have to say amen and take it in. You have a great future, and I see this place full. Ah, you don't, have you forgotten how to actually receive the word? I said, I, I see this place full. Seriously, all of this place full, full. You're making too much noise. You need to keep it down. I see this place full, that room full. It's noisy. I see a breakout of anointing. But you must, you must look again. Your eyes must begin to see what God wants you to see. You must have a, a new focus. So, I want us to pray. 